In this week's Parsha, Parsha's Beshalach, we have what's really the um, completion of Yitzhiya's Mitzrayim, the exodus of Egypt. Because although the Jewish people really left Egypt already in last week's Torah portion, in the Parsha of Boi, but nevertheless, their redemption was very much incomplete. Because in the beginning of this week's Parsha, the Egyptians um, reverse their decision to having let the Jewish people go. And they chase after them with the Egyptian armies. And the Jewish people are in grave danger. And of course we have the tremendous miracle, perhaps the greatest miracle the Torah tells us of the splitting of the sea, where the Jewish people are saved and the Egyptians are drowned. And that's the end, the final end, of any type of bondage to Mitzrayim, to the Egyptians. There is an interesting pasuk, and that is, when the Jewish people look back and they see the entire Egyptian army at their heels, chasing them. Um, the Pasuk says, The Jewish people raise up their eyes and they see, they see, they see that the Egyptians are tra- traveling after them or pursuing them. So the Jewish people obviously were very fearful. The Jewish people cried out to Hashem. Rashi, primary commentator to commentary to the Torah, um, says Vayitzaku. They cried out to Hashem, Tofsu umanus avosam. The Jewish people here um, held on to the trade, to the profession of their ancestors. Their ancestors always prayed. Avram prayed. Yitzchak prayed. Yaakov prayed. So the Jewish people are just continuing this trade that their ancestors had. That's what Rashi says, and Rashi goes on to bring verses and so on and so forth. In a beautiful talk, the Rebbe once commented on this Rashi and asked, what was bothering Rashi? The verse seems to be quite understandable on its own. The verse says, the Jewish people saw the Egyptians running after them. They were afraid and they cried out to God. Um, This is not the first, second, or third time in the Torah that people pray to Hashem, that people turn to God and ask and request their needs. The verse says, they were being chased, they were being pursued, they were afraid, they cried out to Hashem. What's the question here? Why did Rashi have to explain something? And what did he explain? That they held on to the trade, the profession of their ancestors, such an odd way to describe um, that they prayed to Hashem, just as their parents prayed. Why a trade? Why a profession? So again, really, it's a double question. What at all why is there any need for any commentary of Rashi? The, the verse, the Pasuk seems to be quite self-explanatory. And secondly, why is it calling prayer a trade and a profession of their ancestors? And, and the Rebbe goes on to ask a number of questions. I want to focus on one point. The Rebbe explains, really, prayer here is somewhat illogical. The reason it's illogical is because, on the one hand, Hashem had already promised them, he says, I'm taking you out of Egypt, I'm taking you to Sinai, we're giving you the Torah, taking you to the land of Israel. So Hashem said the plan. Hashem said that he's going to take them to a state of complete freedom to the land of Israel. So he told them what he's going to do. So why are you afraid? Now, if you don't trust in Hashem's ability, then prayer is not going to help. Um, If he can't do it, he can't do it. So on the one hand, he already said what he's going to do. So if you trust in him, why pray? On the other hand, if you don't trust in him enough, why pray? Because he can't you know, carry through with his commitment to you. And that's what really was bothering Rashi here. 
And that's why this is different than other prayers throughout the Torah, where people prayed for different things. But here they were praying for something that they were already promised. So why the need for prayer? Why the need for tefillah? And that's why Rashi says, he says, that the Jewish people have a trade. We have a profession. When a person is truly a true tradesman, if a person has certain talents in certain areas, then that's in his DNA. That's just what he does. The things that are closest to us, the things that are most part of us, we don't need reason why to do them. That's in our DNA. That's what we automatically, that's our default position, so to speak. That's what we turn to. And what Rashi is telling us is that that's the story with prayer, with tefillah for a Jew. Our ancestors didn't just pray when it was logical to pray or when there was a specific need that came up and therefore prayer was needed. There is a connection, a relationship between us and Hashem that goes back all the way to Avram, Yitzchak, and Yaakov, our ancestors, and therefore it's who we are. And therefore at any moment of distress, at any moment of difficulty, or even if there isn't a moment of distress or difficulty, the default position of a Yid, he turns to Hashem and he prays to Hashem. And that's what Rashi was telling us, that's why he commented here, and that's why he uses this concept of the trade or the profession of our ancestors, that's just who we are. This week, on the 10th of Shvat, two days ago, Klal Yisrael celebrated 70 years since the passing of the free Dikir Rebbe, the previous Lamavish Rebbe, Rabbi Yosef Yitzchak, who passed away in 1950, and the leadership that began through his son-in-law, the Rebbe, who became leader on the demise, on the passing of his father-in-law. The Rebbe in these 70 years, quite literally, changed the landscape of the Jewish people in the most drastic way possible. The Rebbe became a Rebbe when the Jewish people were at their greatest low possible. Right after the Holocaust, the Jewish communities were decimated, the Jewish people were decimated physically, spiritually, downtrodden, and every and the worst level in any way. Assimilation was at its highest. Um, any people were leaving the fold, so to speak, and mass. No one understood how the Holocaust could have happened. More than a third of the Jewish people are wiped out. The rabbinate, the the the, uh, the greatest of the Jewish people, the most religious of those Jewish people are wiped out. Jewish people were at their ultimate low. The rabbi comes to the scene in 1950 and says to a very small group of followers, "We're going to change all that." We're going to reach out to every Jew. We're going to reach out to Jews in the four corners of the earth, literally. We're going to bring the Jewish people their Judaism. We're going to introduce them and show them through love their heritage. And the world looked on incredulous, credulously, uh, skeptically. Was this person really going to change the Jewish world? And how? And the Rebbe had and has this tremendous faith in every Yid. And he says, we don't have to teach Jews Judaism. We don't have to convince Jews of Judaism. It's the DNA of every Jew. We just have to shear, we just have to show, we have to give the opportunities. We send a young man, a young woman to a community, and with love and with care and devotion, another Torah class, another mitzvah, another program, and Jews will flock to their doors. I've shared before, it was 45 years ago, my parents were sent to Michigan, or 44 years ago, my parents were sent to Michigan, to a city 
there was no Shomer Shabbos. There was no religious Jew in the city at the time. And the Rebbe had them in their office. I was there as well. I was a little child, a little baby. And the Rebbe told my parents, he said, you'll have more success than you can imagine. And of course, 45 years later, the, uh, the rest is history. And that story repeated itself in city after city, in state after state, in country after country. Still today, again, we have thousands and thousands of these Chabad centers throughout the world with tens of thousands or hundreds of thousands of Jews that are, have changed their lives. And millions of Jews have been affected by just bringing them their own Yiddishkeit. And with this faith that the Rebbe had in every Yid, and the faith in, in, in the, the fact that Yiddishkeit and Torah and Mitzvahs is the profession, is the trade, is built into the DNA of every Yid. Therefore, he knew that just given properly, Kalal Yisrael can turn around and the Jewish people can wake up. And indeed, they continue to do that day after day. I want to conclude with a nice short story that I know I've shared in the past. But a person shared with me, a person who was in my parents' community, and became, with time, Shomer Shabbos, became more religious. And I once asked him, what was it that made you decide to start keeping Shabbos? And he said that it was something he struggled with. And he says, one time, he turned to my father and he says, Rabbi, just tell me, why should I keep Shabbos? My father looked at him, didn't flinch. He says, because you're a Jew. And a Jew keeps Shabbos. The person told me that answer is the one that made me change my life. I didn't need an explanation, and an explanation probably wouldn't have made a difference. He told me, This is me. This is my inheritance. This is my DNA. And with that answer, he changed me. That's how the Rebbe looked at Klal Yisrael. And that's the idea, the message of this concept, of this Rashi. In this week's Parsha, this is our trade. This is who we are from the time of our ancestors, thousands of years. And when we recognize that, we live up to who we are. We connect to Hashem and have that beautiful relationship through His Torah and through His mitzvahs. And God willing, Yemir Hashem, that will just continue to flood the world more and more, Klal Yisrael, performing more and more mitzvahs and connecting to Hashem in a deeper and greater and happier way. And very quickly to celebrate the coming of Mashiach when the world will be flooded with the knowledge and relationship with Hashem. Have a wonderful Shabbos.